This morning we continue with what I am calling education for Eucharist. In most parish bulletins, the service is divided into four parts. The gathering of God's people, the liturgy of the Word, the Eucharist, and the procession into the world. <clears throat> this morning, I'm going to say some things about the first two parts, the gathering of God's people and the liturgy of the Word. Last week's teaching was on a green sheet, this week on blue sheets. And you will find comments on the sheets related to right one and a number of other things that we do not have time to cover as part of the sermon. The gathering of God's people. If you could all take your prayer books, you'll find them in the pews, and turn to page 355. Page 355. <clears throat> After a week of work, play, prayer, we join together as God's people to give thanks, to ask for what we need. The service begins not with the grand procession, not with the lighting of the candles, but with the gathering of God's people. <clears throat> Many of you will come into the church and begin by greeting a friend, a neighbor. Others will either stand or sit or kneel in prayer, perhaps asking forgiveness for a way you have hurt someone this week, or to pray for the healing of a friend. Today, I imagine many of you gave thanks for your mothers and those who have nurtured you in life's journey. Or perhaps, like me, you're praying for the end of the election cycle. <clears throat> we gather together. And as we gather, whether we greet or pray, or, as with children, play, we say two very important things. We respect those around us. And so however we enter, we give them space to do what they need to do. And we remember our connectedness with God and each other. When we do that, we are gathering as God's people. 
Then at the appointed time, the ministers of the church process in. Many will stand, not honoring them or necessarily the cross that proceeds at the front of the procession, but honoring Christ, whom we all represent, and to whom the Christ, the cross, points when we reverence, when we stand, we are acknowledging the leadership of Christ in our worship. So you have now all turned to page 355. And so when we're all in place, when we're all in place, we begin with what is called the acclamation. And this gathering we do, this acclaiming we do, is very much affected by the season of the year and the emphasis of that season. During Epiphany and the season of Pentecost, which goes half the year, time church calls, ordinary time, we look at, we talk about living the Christian life. The other seasons, we focus on the mighty acts of God. In ordinary time, how can we live our lives in the shadow of those mighty acts? So, in ordinary time, we start, blessed be God. In Lent and other penitential times, we start by remembering God's love and mercy for us. And in that light, we ask for forgiveness. Then for the season of Easter, when we're living into the resurrection and giving thanks for the abundant life, our forgiveness, we start with a joyful acclamation. Alleluia, Christ is risen. This gathering, this gathering according to the concern and focus of the season, goes beyond just the acclamation. If this is Lent, and the time when we're focusing on the ways we fall short, we can instead begin on page 351, page 351, with a penitential order. Similar acclamations, and then either the summary of the law, so we remember what is right and what is wrong, and then we say our confession. If we want to be even more direct, we could start with the Ten Commandments. Or if we really want to press the point, we can start with the exhortation, those words of St. Paul, about right living and right worshiping.
the right attitude for receiving communion. We confess, then the absolution, we are assured of God's forgiveness. Turn back for a second to page 355. At the bottom of the page is a prayer. We call it the prayer or collect for purity. We often remember that as part of this service, we ask God to sanctify bread and wine. We also ask God to sanctify ourselves so that we might rightly receive God's gift. We pray for pure hearts and mind in the service of God. Then turn to page 356. Our seasonal gathering. If it's Easter as it is, a hymn of praise like the Gloria which we just sang. If it's a penitential time, Lord have mercy, Kyrie eleison, holy God, holy and mighty. Then, turning to page 357, we say the collect for the day. The collect is a prayer. It is a prayer that collects the thoughts, the themes of the lessons, collects them together in a single prayer. If you wonder where the collects are, turn to page 211, and there all the collects of the church year proceed. The fourth Sunday of Advent, on the second page there, page 212, is a wonderful way to prepare for worship. Purify our conscience, Almighty God. After the collects, then the lessons. Now, one of the reasons our services are now longer than they used to be is that we now have four lessons as opposed to two. A reading from the Hebrew or Old Testament, from the letters or epistles, from the gospel, and then also a psalm. These lessons are God's word to us. In the Episcopal Church, very few people consider these words to us as dictated by God. Most, as our human understanding of how God is calling us, wishing us to live. Sometimes these words are words of judgment. This is right. This is wrong. If we are to live a holy life, we must know the difference. Often, the word is a proclamation 
or good news. And most modern preachers tend to focus on the good news because the world shares with us enough judgment and bad news. If you're not sure if I'm correct on that, watch the local evening news. Bad news after bad news. Is there something God is doing under and through this? That is the good news of the gospel. Another change in these worship services, the sermon is now required. We need to understand and be in conversation about the meaning of these lessons. We call it the Word of God because we believe in one way or another it creates, enables, points us to a holy life, an abundant life, what Scripture calls everlasting life. <clears throat> then, after the sermon, page 358, and from this point on, through the rest of the liturgy of the Word, we respond to God's Word the Nicene Creed, an affirmation of our faith. Unfortunately, the creed contains phrases, concepts, which many people find difficult to believe. I think rightly understood, the creed is about the God we desire to be in relationship with, the God we desire to make a commitment to. It should not be seen as, unless you can list all these things in your belief catalog, you can't be here. People who feel that way, I wish you would show up at the annual discussion of what these phrases mean. We call it the inquirer's class. If you couldn't make it this year, try next. Then we proceed to the prayers of the people. There are many forms listed in this book, beginning on page 383, but many parishes write their own. If you look in the middle of page 359, this is what needs to be included. Prayers for the church, the nation and those in authority, the welfare of the world, and so forth. If the absolution, if the confession and absolution have not been said, then here is the opportunity for them. And finally, on page 360, the peace. Many of us grew up in a church where the peace was not offered. The peace of the Lord be always with you is not hello, good morning, how are you? It is our way 
of remembering the first words of Jesus after the resurrection. You are loved. God's forgiveness, God's peace is with you. Could you share it with me? Now, there was a long time in the church where priests could say the Eucharist without any people there. And so, instead of passing the peace, they kissed the altar. I got to tell you, I'm grateful that we have each other to share the peace with. The service is not just vertical between us and God, but also horizontal with our brothers and sisters shared. <clears throat> now before I sit down, and I apologize that these lessons are, are long, I'm trying to put six or seven weeks into four so that we won't spend all of our remaining time together in this teaching. <clears throat> but there, there are two points I want to make about this morning's lessons, about why we call the lessons the Word of God. And if I were to pick lessons from the whole church year or the three-year cycle, I could pick no better lessons than the ones we have today to illustrate why we call it the Word of God. The first lesson, very short. It is the story where Peter, having had a dream that all of God's creatures were holy, goes out to meet Cornelius, a centurion. In the ancient world, even more than today, People were divided into different tribes, not only separate, but seen as unequal. The Jews saw themselves as God's chosen, God's beloved ones, everybody else as unclean, dirty, unworthy and all the other tribes would have returned the favor. So you have the Jews and the Gentiles, the Romans, divided tribes. Peter has this dream that God finds all of God's creatures lovable, clean, good, Cornelius asked to be part of the fellowship. Peter says, there is no reason under God's heaven why you should not be. If you don't think that changed the world, breaking down the divisions between tribes, the world will try to recreate those divisions. The dark side of the church 
will try to recreate those divisions. Them Baptists, us Episcopalians, we're good, they're not. Balderdash. God says the divisions are over. You are all my beloved children. The second point in the gospel, and you very easily might miss this, and particularly its radical and revolutionary meaning. When Jesus called the disciples friends, he was breaking with all of history. The ancient world was an order of hierarchies. It was a master-slave, patron-client set of relationships. There could not be real friends as we know them, could not be equals, because everybody was either better than you or worse than you in some degree. When Jesus says, the end of that, you're all my friends. Peter, this smelly outsider fisherman who would have to be as his father was, a smelly outside fisherman, becomes an apostle, a prince of the church. If you do not think that that turned the ancient world upside down and inside out, you've missed the point. The Word of God, the world, the dark side of the church, reinstitutes these hierarchies, these divisions, and we need to keep listening to proclaiming God's life-giving word so we know that those things need to be broken down so we can all join together as God's children, brothers and sisters of one another. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.